alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Hello and welcome to the ninth annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody, as per usual, and I'm joined by my pal Phil. How have you been, buddy? Doing good, Cody. How about yourself? Um, I, I've had better days. I, like I told you before the show, <laughs> I've been sick the last three days, and yeah, it's been horrible. But I actually went to the doctor and got medication, so I guess that's that's a plus. Um, anyth- Big Pharma wins again. <laughs> yeah, they won a whopping seven dollars for uh, antibiotics. Uh, how uh, anything exciting with you? Nope, just uh, same old shit. <laughs> job, sleep, job, sleep. Uh, did you catch the uh, Game of Thrones episode? Oh yeah, you bet your ass I did. I'm not gonna risk not watching it live and being spoiled, you know what I mean? Just not worth the oh, risk. Definitely. So what did you think? Uh, I thought that Daenerys was going to maybe go crazy, maybe kill a few people. I thought that maybe she would uh, kill those Lannister men, but I didn't realize that she would destroy the entire city. <laughs> Fuck, yeah, I, I didn't see that coming. Like, the, that part where she's just sitting on the dragon just kind of kind of stewing and then all of a sudden it's just like she snaps and starts burning everything i I literally said because i was watching with my sister i'm like what are you doing why are you eradicating every person here like there's literally not going to be a throne for you to sit on yeah what is she like who does she expect to rule over (laughs) after like does she think that everyone's just gonna like oh yeah no we love that chick still you know we hated that fucking city I know. Well, the the funny part it's is not we, we'll, it's not Pittsburgh. It's King's Landing. <laughs> if a lady on a dragon burned up Pittsburgh, how would you feel? You know, I'd miss the Steelers. <laughs> um, and well, how about the Penguins? Sidney Crosby. That's uh. Do you watch hockey much? No, I'm not a big hockey fan. Uh, I know the playoffs are going on now, but well, if you didn't know, Sidney Crosby plays for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he's I I don't know if I'd say he's like the greatest player of this generation, but he's like either number two or number three, maybe. He's he's like insanely fucking good. But uh, but anyway, neither did, of us. Did he used to? Did he used to play for the Blackhawks? Nope, nope. I think he's played for the Penguins his entire lo- uh, career. I'm pretty sure, and I only know about him because he's like super superstitious. So he has the same jock strap that he's had since I. Th- think it was high school and he wears it every game and they had a picture of it and it's like fucking brown <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fucking disgusting it's worth a google i guess it's, it's got yellow stains down the front brown <laughs> stains down the back <laughs> oh. i mean i guess maybe it works because he's won i don't remember how many uh stanley cups he's won but it's at least two or three so he's done all right for himself it's uh, it's hockey that they grow beards for the playoffs, right? Uh, is that the is that the thing? I don't know. I don't watch much hockey. I'd have to consort with Adam or Jordan. They would probably know. But uh, I hear that you have a beef to pick with the NBA, Phil. I do. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if you caught the draft lottery, but uh, per usual. It was pretty rigged as fuck. Uh, I think everyone's <laughs> consensus is that. They uh, they did not give it to L.A. or the Knicks, the number one draft pick, Zion Williams. But they did give it to uh, two teams that are potentially in danger of losing their franchise to possibly Seattle, uh, Memphis, and New Orleans. So, Is, it, is mean, it the Memphis Grizzlies? Memphis Grizzlies, yeah. So what – so what they're going to bring back the Supersonics when didn't the Supersonics go to Oklahoma City? It was uh basically it seems like a lot of the times this with this draft lottery 
they'll give it to a franchise that may be on the downs. Like they've given it to Cavaliers a few times. Uh, they've given it to, let's see, Chicago to get Derrick Rose. They gave it to um, a few other teams. And there is a history of um, possible draft lottery rigging, uh, especially with Patrick Ewing. So. <laughs> I listened to this podcast called Crime and Sports. You've probably heard me talk about it, right? Yeah, I have. So the guy on there is like a, he's from New York, so he's a huge Knicks fan. And I've heard him complain about Patrick Ewing missing some layup or something that cost him the finals. Do you remember this? No, I I have heard um, certain all-star players like missing easy shots but <laughs> but apparently he's not like high on that guy's hatred list yeah i mean if your team loses i mean no one's perfect if everyone was perfect you wouldn't watch the fucking game so i mean in those cases it's not i mean it's not like it's it can't be rigged in that way but i mean these people they're winners at heart you know yeah well i'm like that's what i always think like i so many people believe that the lottery is rigged, obviously, and I'm I'm like, they couldn't really change it because you can purposely bomb in basketball anyway. Yeah, I mean, really, in any other league, it always goes to the last place team. So why wouldn't you just give it to the last place team? I mean, Phoenix Suns, who was it? It was New York, Phoenix, and somebody else were the bottom three teams they changed it so that they both had all three of them had an equal chance of getting the number one pick and they end up falling backwards all of them do so i feel like the nba's had a problem with bombing or tanking for a pick i've heard, and i always hear i don't i don't actually watch basketball myself but i've always heard like in the nba draft like in the entire draft they'll probably be like maybe five or what do you say, like five to eight serviceable players? Yeah, it is true that not always like the number one pick yields the best player out of the draft. Mm. But when you have a player like Zion Williams, it's kind of, you know. I actually, I like I said, I don't really watch basketball, but I remember I was at the gym because he's the one who plays for Duke, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I was watching or somebody was watching Duke versus Michigan State and you could just tell that guy is so far above everybody else it wasn't even funny yeah it's like watching a high school player play against a bunch of like eight-year-olds he's just (laughs) fucking he's just so good yeah yeah i like i said i don't even watch basketball i could tell that fucker could tear shit up yeah so are you a Suns fan all of a sudden no i'm not but (laughs) you know a lot of people are Suns fans and uh you know, Cardinals had the number one pick this year. Suns could have had it too. So they're definitely bad enough to warrant a second round or a first round uh, first pick. So <laughs> it sounds like the uh, when Barkley was there, th- those were like the fun years because we all know Charles Barkley is not exactly the brightest bulb on the on the lamppost. So the Suns owners actually want Phoenix to build them a brand new stadium, like a brand new arena. And a bunch of people came out and said, do we even still have a team? <laughs> like we, they only had like, I think 19 wins, like out of 80 some games. So it's kind of shitty, but uh, the sports teams in Phoenix are almost as bad as fucking Minnesota. I think. Yeah. Well, the, the equal thing is both teams have a real or both cities have really good WNBA teams. So that's our saving grace. Uh, well, the Lynx and the Mercury. Hold on now. The Lynx is, has uh, crumbled apart. They're no longer good anymore. Oh, shit. Really? I had no idea. Yeah. Like all their like all, all their like legacy players have retired or whatever. So they've kind of fell hmm. apart at the seams from what I've heard. Yeah. They got all those rings, though. So. That's a good point. Nothing, nothing great lasts forever, I suppose. But uh, should we, should we jump in this motherfucker? Yeah, we've been bullshitting for long enough. Let's go for it. So what I'm going to cover today is something that's actually fascinated me for quite a long time. And when I was initially researching and I thought the conspiracy was that this facility was making like hybrid mutant animals by the U.S. government... And apparently it's a lot deeper than just that. So this is kind of a crazy episode. Have you ever heard of Plum Island? 
No, I've never heard of Plum Island. Uh, really? I have heard Alex Jones on Joe Rogan podcast scream out Chimera. <laughs> so is that what we're talking about? A little, little Chimera action here? Well, is I he, obviously I don't know anything about what we're talking is about. He, so. Is he referring to like a hybrid animal? Because that's what a Chimera is, right? Animal human hybrid. Yeah. He oh. screamed about 19 times. Did you hear the word Plum Island? No, I did not. <laughs> well, so I, I obviously did the normal research on this place. And this one was extra special because I got to watch my first ever episode of Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura. Wow. Holy shit. You ever watched that show before? No, I have not. <laughs> oh, my. Like, the show is so fucking scripted and the acting is so bad in it. Like, Jesse's fine, but his little specialist crew is so bad. It's just, it's so bad, it's kind of good. And, like, we're going to, I'm going to weave him in and out of this, but when they're trying to get to the uh, the island, like the Coast Guard's watching him or whatever, he's like, what do they think I am, a terrorist? I'm an ex-government. I'm an ex-wrestler. I'm an ex-Navy SEAL. I'm like, okay, how the hell do they know that? <laughs> All they see is a boat. <laughs> All they see is a man who won't let go of his fucking wrestling haircut. Fucking <laughs> still has a ponytail with bald on top. Poor Jesse. But uh, but I did learn a lot from it. Obviously, they go way overboard and make up shit just for the show. But I'm going to try to keep this as, as even keeled as I can. It's kind of funny. You're talking about how the sidekicks in his show like go way overboard and overact. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when Mythbusters started pushing their, their background people up a little bit more? Um, their little teams that like worked behind the Mythbuster duo. Also, the I, only I, one I remember is that like cute redheaded girl. Yeah, they were like pushing those three like super fucking hard. Like I think those three wanted their own show, but yeah, they just got annoying in the end. <laughs> that show kind of, like I liked it when it first came out, and it kind of like I didn't like it anymore after a while. Or that's how I felt anyway. Yeah, they got too popular. No, that could be. Anyway, let's uh let's dive in here. So what what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start off with like a brief history of Plum Island and what exactly it is. So Plum Island was purchased by America in 1899. Now they didn't say who exact, I couldn't find who exactly they purchased it from, but it seemed like they wanted it for the Spanish American war as like a, a defense hub. Okay. Where was it located? In New York or New Jersey. Oh, okay. Maybe. So it's, I'm going to give you a little uh, bit of the geometry here. So they they like to say the island's fairly nondescript. It's basically just flat as fuck. Um, it's three miles long and one mile wide. And the army created Fort Terry on Plum Island for an artillery sentry post. Basically just, just for extra defense. Um, they did mention the Spanish-American War, but they've obviously have kept it a military building for quite a while. Is any of this ring a bell so far? Yeah, so it would make sense that they wanted um that for a defensive point. Um in the in the USS Maine episode, I mentioned that uh the United States was really afraid of the phantom uh Spanish Armada coming at oh. any time to attack the eastern seaboard. So well- in, um, if you had an educated guess, who the fuck would have the government bought the island from? You think just like a private citizen? I think uh, so a private citizen. By that time, the land was pretty much divvied up. It wouldn't have been Canada. It wouldn't have been France, Spain, Portugal. Like all of those – like basically all of the land off of the United States coast was pretty much purchased by the United States at that time. So I'm guessing it either came from a state or a, or a private owner. So. Hmm. Okay. If I had to put my guess, I would say probably a private owner. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, like a Rockefeller, pr- maybe. I I can't remember. I I kind of go into the distances later, but I believe this island is a, roughly about ten miles from New York City. So like not out, but like south of it. So it's a pretty good hub for like uh, New York City, Philadelphia, and Boston. So an island like that would be really good defensive, like point. 
especially for back in those days, there was no radar. So they were like the fog of war was really bad. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't know if there was a fleet like a hundred <laughs> miles off the coast, like amassing to come in and invade New York. That's right. Well, anyway, we're going to, I'm going to talk about the buildings on said Island. So building 257 located at Fort Terry was completed around 1911 the original purpose of the building was to store weapons such as mines, and the structure was designed as a com combined torpedo storehouse and cable tanks building. I'm not. Do you know what a cable tank is? Is that just what they call a tank? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, 1890s um, no, tanks, like we think of them, were around. 19, yeah. This is 1911. 1911 tanks back then would have been really small and. Um, not really used until World War One. I. Um, I don't think it's a tank like we think of it. Maybe like a storage tank kind of? Yeah, probably something more like that. Okay. So, yeah, I was just saying they bought the island in 1899 and then built Fort Terry. And then they built Building 257, which will be important through the entire episode. In 1911. Oh, okay. That's when they completed it. So Man, you got to love like the Army's... Like, system of naming buildings. It's just great. Like, <laughs> well, like, as you'll see, most of the buildings on the islands are literally just numbers. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Fort Terry went through a period of activations and deactivations through World War II until the U.S. Army Chemical Corps took over the facility in 1952 for use in anti-animal biological warfare research. The conversion of Fort Terry to the, the biological weapon facility required the remodeling of Building 257 and the other structures. As work neared completion of the lab and other facilities in the spring of 1954, the mission of Fort Terry was changed. Construction was completed on the facilities on May 26, 1954, but Fort Terry was officially transferred to the USDA on January 1st, 1954. At the time, scientists from the Bureau of Animal Industry were already working in Building 257. So now they've gave it off to the USDA, which um, we obviously think of as just for food. But what essentially they have this building for is, well, I'm going to go into what they're there, but it's just like um, to combat animal diseases, right? More or less. Yeah. It'd be smart to have that off the coast of the United States. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the conspiracy is going to come in uh, to fact because of what they're doing in there. So um, there's another important building here. Construction on Plum Island's new laboratory, Building 101, began around July 1st, 1954, around the same time that the Army's anti-animal biowarfare facilities at Fort Terry, Fort Terry were transferred to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Following the transfer, the facilities of Plum Island became known as the Plum Island Animal Disease Center. Prior to the building's opening, the area around it was sprayed with chemicals to deter insects and animal life from approaching the facility. And that should be pretty obvious why they don't want animals coming near the building, right? Especially mice, I'd imagine. Yeah, they, um, I think I talk about it later, but basically if any mammals approach the, or even come on the island, um, apparently they just kill them on sight. Like, only mammals. Obviously, birds, they kind of leave alone, but the mammals are killed for when they approach the island. What about people from New Jersey? Are they also <laughs> killed when they... Because you know they're going to be carrying some fucking diseases with them. <laughs> Jets fans are killed on sight. <laughs> the owner of the yeah. building's a really big Eli Manning fan, and they say... Or no, you'd be a Robert Kraft fan, right? Because they hate the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, he's a big fan of the Jets and rubbing tugs. <laughs> so, yeah, Building 69 is actually a uh, hand job facility on, on site for Robert Kraft. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when the Department of Agriculture took over in 1954, it was used to study foot and mouth disease in cattle because of outbreaks in Mexico and Canada. Have you heard of this um, disease before? Yeah, I have heard of foot and mouth disease. Um, it comes back every once in a while. Um, it's in pigs. It's in like animals. 
Yeah, it's in cloven hooved animals. That's what it is. And it's extremely yeah. contagious. Um, before I did this research, I feel like I'd had heard of foot and mouth disease, but I didn't really know what it was. For some reason, when I first heard, I thought it might have been like a old timey term for mad cow's disease. But apparently it's it's a virus that causes a high fever for between two to six days followed by blisters inside the mouth and on the feet that may rupture and cause lameness, which is basically just paralysis or whatever. Um, I believe that foot and mouth disease was one of the ones that they were worried about crossing over into humans. Is that, um, do you know if that ever happened or? In my conspiracy research, it's not foot and mouth disease that they're worried about. Um, There's other diseases that I'm going to talk about when we get into the conspiracy side of it. But what they would, what they talk about is around this time, what they were doing was effectively making weapons that contained foot and mouth disease. And what they wanted to do was say they wanted to attack a different country. They would set off the diseases in the area, which would kill all the, the, the cows and pigs and shit. And then that would cripple kind of the economy of that area. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. That, that was, that's not even cons- uh, a conspiracy. That was legitimate what the U.S. government was thinking at this time about foot and mouth disease. But on the same end, they were trying to find a vaccine for it in case other countries tried to use it on them. They are kind of worried about foot and mouth disease, but it seems like for the most part it's under control, like throughout the world. From what That's what I gathered up when I was kind of looking at it. Yeah, that happens quite a bit. Um not only it's hard to get funding when you're a government uh say you're a government team trying to or you're just a team trying to get funding from the government you kind of have to sweeten the pot so not only are you looking for a cure for foot and mouth disease but you're also going to help the army or the air force <laughs> weaponize it too so right like that's a big conspiracy that basically every single government funded uh team trying to fight like some kind of disease is actually weaponizing it also. Yeah. It's like I said, the thing about this is they aren't even hiding it. Everybody knows for a fact that that's what they were doing there. Yeah. Cause this was right it's, during the cold war and um, Russia is going to come up later in this as well. So Plum Island also has studied up to 40 foreign animal diseases. Um, some of the bigger ones are hog cholera and African swine fever. I didn't even know pigs could get cholera, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, mammals, I mean, they all get the same kind of diseases that we get. So, you know, like cat herpes and shit like that. (laughs) You ever hear about that? I'm sure Stinkfoot had cat syphilis or something like that. Okay. It's fucking uh, crazy. When we we got that new cat, um, you know that, right? We got uh, our new kitten, Barbara. (laughs) <laughs> his name yeah it's barbara sue <laughs> all right go on when it was a little kitten apparently it's common for kittens to get colds and the vet said it was a form of like herpes it was a feline herpes but it was like a cold for them hmm it's kind of weird I, I don't know that's what the vet said yeah i wonder who she caught it from well, That's apparently, apparent no, apparently kittens just get it. Like it's just natural. Like kittens just get it. Yeah. So I I don't know, but I do know that that Barbara passed it to the other two cats. So they were all fucking sneezing all over the goddamn place. <laughs> yeah, a kitten sneezing's cute. A cat sneezing is annoying. That's, well, my my cat when I was the rules of it. My cat always sleeps with me on the bed, right? And all fucking night it'd be like. Tss, just sneezing and sneezing and sneezing boogers everywhere i'm like jesus christ cat you need to kick that shit out (laughs) (laughs) all right so in january of 2002 many wanted wanted to close the facility because it was costing the u.s government 16.5 million dollars a year it was then transferred from the usda to the united states department of homeland security it's quite a jump isn't it yeah Makes sense. (laughs) And now, I couldn't confirm this, but on the article I got a lot of research from, apparently now that it's the Department of Homeland Security, they then turned it into calling it the new National Bio and Agro Defense Facility. And it said it did not go unnoticed that workers and scientists on the island were ferried back and forth on special government vessels 
under armed guards and reporters, boaters, and curiosity seekers were and still are strongly warned not to take photographs of the island or indeed come anywhere near it. So this is kind of where our man Jesse Ventura was being harassed by the Coast Guard apparently because you can't mm. get too close to it or else they... They claim all the security is because they're worried about 9-11. And this is post-9-11, obviously. And they were worried about a terrorist attack on the island that would then release all the diseases that they have inside of the building. Yeah, if you... Well, like this was, you said, 2002? Yep, That it changed over? Yep. So you anytime like you're in the post-Carl Rove era of like things getting named, anytime you hear like a nice little name like that, it means the opposite. <laughs> So, like, you got the Patriot Act, you got No Child Left Behind. Oh, yeah. Like, Citizens United. So, if you hear something like that, when they say, like, defense, it means offense. Like, <laughs> So, you think now that this is the National Bio and Agro Defense Facility, it's probably the offense facility? Oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely. I would definitely say, like, calling it the defense facility is just the – they're just churching it up. Yeah. So – so basically, that's kind of the the groundwork for the facility. It's just basically the Center for Animal De- Disease Control. The military can, uh, owned it, then the USDA owned it, then Homeland Security owned it, and now they call it something else. And they have a lot of diseases on there. So now we're going to get to the conspiracy side, and we're going to kind of travel back in time to see what the facility was up to during um, during the 50s and such. So... There was a Newsweek article released on November 21st, 1993. Now, it showed now declassified documents that showed a plan to use diseases from Plum Island on Russian livestock in the 1950s, like I said, to destroy their food supplies. Now, apparently, this is like 100% real. They were planning on doing this because of the Cold War, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that's the first, when you were talking about using them on foreign enemies' food supplies, that's the first country that came to mind. Russia? Um, Yeah, a country, I mean, they had just suffered like mass losses during World War II, but even still, a country that size, you kill its food crop, one that's isolated like Russia is at the time, and you'll cripple that nation. They were already experiencing lines for bread and borscht. Oh, God. (laughs) I've... uh... I know you're not as big into true crime as I am, but uh, they have... Have you ever heard of Andre Chikatilo? No, I haven't. So he he was uh, he was a serial killer quite a long time ago and in Russia. And he talked about growing up in like the 60s in Russia at the height of like communism or whatever. And ooh, the shit he was saying would be like, yeah, we got a piece of bread today. And it's like uh, eating bread and uh drinking that's all they did yep fucking horrible (laughs) so now this one isn't confirmed but the cuban government around the same time also claimed that the u.s had plotted to use these diseases on their or their livestock as well so we don't know if that one's confirmed or not but um they believe that they were planning on using it on them during that time frame i would say any plot like any theoretical plot against cuba like probably was at least thought about like anything (laughs) that anyone maybe wrote on a napkin was thought about they had an idea to put um like some kind of lice in um fidel castro's beard to force him to or something to make him have to either shave it or have his hair fall out just so he'd be embarrassed like that's they would do anything to fidel castro that's confirmed they tried that well, I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but I definitely heard about it in my conspiracy class at college. So <laughs> he, I don't think he would talk about it unless it was confirmed. So, God, I wish I had a conspiracy class. That sounds fucking amazing. Yeah, it was really good, actually. Now, the same documents, the declassified documents that spo- uh, showed about Russia and everything, they also showed that this facility was being continually, continuously used um, to make plots to use these diseases on their enemies up until 1969 when President Nixon officially closed it down for biological warfare uh, reasons anyway. But a lot of people think they didn't actually do that. They just said they did. 
And now this next um, conspiracy part that I'm going to talk about is one that I did had no idea about. So in 1970, a small town in Connecticut had an outbreak of a mysterious illness. It caused symptoms such as fatigue, muscle aches, inability to focus, and sometimes paralysis. The strange thing is this disease only affected this town for some odd reason, and the town's name was Old Lyme. So what do you think this disease was called, Phil? Well, maybe Lyme disease. <laughs> You're right. So this in this little town was the very first outbreak of Lyme disease, and it was concentrated only in this little town. What leaves a lot of people thinking that this could have been um, related to Plum Island is because this town is about 13 miles away from where Plum Island is located, um, and the disease itself, like the bacteria, is significantly more complex than like a normal bacterial diseases does if that makes sense yeah almost like it was um, manufactured like it was man-made right and the other strange thing that they said about it is Lyme disease apparently can cause any sort of um, different symptoms from they claim schizophrenia to psychosis to severe brain infections I'm not entirely sure about that, but that was what they claim. Have you ever heard that before? I have heard people getting severely fucked up by Lyme disease. I know so. you definitely you definitely don't want it. No, yeah. It's bad. Like, I know, especially around here, if you get bit by a tick, you want to go to the hospital immediately and, like, make sure you don't... I think it's like a little red ring you get around it, and that's like a sign yeah. that it's Lyme disease or whatever. Yeah, my family definitely uh, was not in that camp because <laughs> uh, we have – well, you know, my house was surrounded by woods and farms. Yeah. And anytime that we had a tick in the back of our hair or on our body somewhere, my mom just pulled it off and <laughs> she would dig out the little – because when you pull them out, the, uh, the mouth stays in. So you have to dig those out too. Mm -hmm. And then basically – just slap a Band-Aid on it, maybe if we had Band-Aids, and that was it. So <laughs> I mean, I've never went to the hospital for them either, but apparently you're supposed to. Or maybe you only need to if you see the red ring around it. <clears throat> Possibly. I don't know. It's something like we that. Were, I'm pretty sure we were both free-range kids, so. Was Lyme disease, like, were we really worried about it in the 90s? I remember hearing about it, but I don't remember my mom ever talking about hmm. it, so. Hmm. It, it wasn't like um, rabies or um, tetanus or something like that. So I don't really think so. Yeah, I can't really remember. But anyway, it's um, basically back to the conspiracy here is why a lot of people obviously think this could be a man-made disease is because it out of nowhere started in this town and that it was so close to Plum Island. Now, in 2004, a book was released called Lab 257, The Disturbing Story of the Government's Secret Plum Island Germ Laboratory. Now, you can actually buy this book on Amazon Prime or Kindle or whatever. I think it's $1.99 if you want the, uh, the virtual version of it. Unfortunately, I didn't have time to read through 300 pages talking about conspiracy theories of Plum Island. Basically, what the author is claiming is after World War II, Operation Paperclip, you're familiar with that, obviously, right? Yep. They brought over a German scientist named Eric Traub, or Traub, might be Traub, and he was brought to Plum Island to do research, and he worked when, in Nazi Germany, he worked uh, exclusively, or he worked right underneath uh, Heinrich Himmler. And apparently his specialization was trying to create, like, diseases put inside of ticks. Apparently hmm. that was, like, he was trying to weaponize, like, ticks. That was Traub's yeah, Eric, specialty? Eric Traub's. That was, like, in Nazi Germany, that was his thing. That was, like, his scientific thing or whatever he was working on. Trying to that weaponize. Takes a turn. Yeah. So he was, yeah. he apparently they were trying to weaponize ticks, which is leads even more credence to why it's so weird that all of a sudden ticks started carrying Lyme disease. So a lot of people think he created this and then they just used 
little town of old old Lyme to kind of test it out. Or maybe the ticks escape from the lab. I'm guessing it was a on the back of a mouse situation. That could be. That very well you said could that be. They were, you said that there were fairies going back and forth? Well, not at this time. Not at this time. Okay. They do, like, after 9-11 in 2002 is when they started doing armed guards and everything on the facility. But back here, people didn't even really know what they were doing there. It was it was kind of a hidden thing. Like, they didn't really know what was going on on the island in the uh, 70s. Okay, yeah. Now, here's where our boy, Mr. Ventura, comes in. On the show, what was it? He was interviewing a man who lived in Old Lyme and contracted Lyme disease. And this dude claims he has documents showing that Lyme disease is patented by the DOD. So why exactly do you think they would have patented bacteria or whatever? Well, it's just a conspiracy, but allegedly the government has um, all sorts of uh, DNA for basically like if you wanted to manufacture uh, certain kinds of animal, certain kinds of corn, that kind of deal, or crops, also like weaponizing viruses. So I have heard of that, but a disease isn't exactly like a virus, is it? No, a disease is different than a virus. I think a disease is a bacteria and a virus is a virus. I'm pretty sure. But a disease is meaning something that's incurable, I believe. Okay, so you can catch a disease from like bacteria or a virus. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Never mind. I'm pretty sure a disease comes from a bacteria, I believe, or it's genetically transferred or something. It's like a weird little difference between a disease and a virus. Yeah, then I can totally see that happening. But. So now in 2001, there was a New York Times article. A virologist named Mark Bueller claimed they were attempting to make a vaccine resistant strain of anthrax on Plum Island. That'd be kind of spooky, wouldn't it? Yeah, anthrax <laughs> has always been kind of a popular, like, weaponized um, disease. Was, like, uh, what year did, you always hear about anthrax. What year did that guy start sending the anthrax letters? Ooh, that was. After 9-11, after the Iraq War, pretty sure, or the Afghanistan and Iraq War, hmm. um, he sent it to, like, Tom Brokaw, <laughs> right? I I, well, I think he sent it to, like, government officials. Yeah, he sent one to uh, some senators. Um, yeah, so it would have been in the mid-2000s. I think we were still in high school. I don't know. When I read this um, this report from this guy, that's the first thing that came to my mind for some reason. It's just the last time I remember hearing about anthrax. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a very, uh, very deadly thing. I mean, people in the military, you still get like the the shots. You still get one for, I believe, anthrax. So. Oh, really? So they have a vaccine for anthrax. Uh, is it anthrax or? <laughs> yeah, I think it's anthrax <laughs> is one of the one of the shots you get. You get a bunch of them, though. So. I mean, that makes sense. Now, Mark. Remember how you said earlier that you thought maybe they were trying to make foot or they were worried about foot and mouth disease being transferred to humans? Yes. According to this Mark Bueller guy, he claims the government was trying to create a animal smallpox that could then be transferred to humans. That's what he's claiming. I don't know. Like, you know, if they give it to animals and then it starts affecting humans... Like it'll be kind of be won't be suspected like a government attack. Do you know what I mean? Oh, they could kind of mask it by. Yes, that's what they would have. A, they'd have a cover story for it. Right. I think that's what he's trying to hint at about making an anthrax that would affect affect people. Like you said, if there was actually a vaccine for it, that they could make a strain of it that can kind of still get over those barriers and with the smallpox. So I don't know. Maybe it's true. Maybe not. I don't really know. I know that uh, the smallpox vaccine was actually made by infecting someone with cowpox. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Pretty sure it's cowpox, but... Hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about diseases, but uh, apparently, according to this guy, if the government is do or if the government is actually working on any of these diseases, 
they always claim it's only for defense purposes. Like they either create these diseases or mess with them only for the effect of trying to then make a vaccine or cure for them. That's what the government always claims, I guess. Yeah, figures. (laughs) But maybe it's like you said, it's actually the reverse. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those deals where you always want to put the brighter side of things up first. Right. You kind of have to figure, like, there has to be an an incentive, you know? That's what I always think when I hear those things. All right, now we're going to finally get away from all these diseases and shit. And we're going to get to where I believe you will probably have heard of this thing before. So a creature was found by Jenna Hewitt and her three friends on July 12th, 2008. Washed up on Ditch Plains Beach near Montauk, New York, there was a photo of this weird creature laying on the beach. And it was then dubbed the Montauk Monster. Does this ring any bells? Is that the one? I'm not exactly sure. Is it the one that looked like a the, they tried to call it a mermaid? No, 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 no. That's not this one. Actually, okay. I actually copied a description of the creature down. Maybe it'll ring a bell with you. The carcass was that of some sort of stocky quadruped with comparatively thin legs, clawed paws that appeared to end in dexterous fingers, an elongated skull with jagged pointy teeth on the lower, lower jaw, and what looks like a beak on the upper portion, and leathery skin dotted with patches of sparse hair, all ending in a slender tail. Does that ring any bells? No, it, it, it doesn't. Uh, it, I mean, I think I've met a few of these people at parties <laughs> in my life, but uh, possibly from Florida. But It could be. You know. I wouldn't doubt it. Like it's a love child of a Florida man and a uh, raccoon. I don't know. All right, Phil, since you haven't seen this, I will send you a picture. Did you get it? Okay. Yep, just got it. Hold on. So yep. What? Oh, I see it. So what? Yep. what's your first thought of that? Uh, I definitely remember going to high school with this girl. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty fucking disgusting. I mean, it, it kind of looks like uh, with the teeth, you know that, um, you know how those wild hogs have those like two really big bottom teeth that mm-hmm. stick up out of the mouth. It's kind of kind of looks like it has a little bit of that in it. Don't um, you feel like it looks like it has a bird's head? Yeah, it looks like a mix of a few different things. It's pretty crazy. See, the, we'll have to make we'll have to make this the uh the Instagram photo. Oh, absolutely because th- when I wanted to start doing it, that was the when because I remember hearing about that creature, and that's the thing that I wanted to research about Plum Island. Because I thought the conspiracy was that that island was making these weird fucking hybrid animals like that thing. But apparently more of the conspiracies are worrying about the diseases. Or that this thing could have been some weird creature they're trying some fucking diseases on or whatever. Because from where they found it in New York... It is exactly about 10 miles to Plum Island. So it's about 10 miles away. So you definitely, I mean, ever since Dolly the Sheep, I mean, do you think that Dolly the Sheep was like the first one that they made? Like, you know, you know, they fucked up at least 50 times before that. (laughs) Like, I'm sure there's like six cocked cows and all that everywhere. So, oh, yeah, probably a cow with like 37 udders, like (laughs) eight like 18 feet long, like the size of a fucking school bus living somewhere. <laughs> isn't that the big, uh, isn't there a conspiracy theory about KFC making a chick chicken that had like six breasts? They were talking about trying to, yeah, they were talking about trying to, um, like genetically alter chickens to make it have like huge to make it have like six breasts. They would basically <laughs> have to add like two legs on it just to make the thing able to walk around. <laughs> But yeah, I have heard theories about the agriculture industry trying to cook up uh, these weird animals. I, so I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't think I would eat it if I found out we were eating fucking mutant chickens. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely eating mutant crop. <laughs> like, oh yeah, like yeah, obviously corn, soybeans, everything. It's all genetically <laughs> modified. But so, um, back with the creature here. Now, the experts 
claim that this carcass is either that of a raccoon, a sea turtle, a dog, a large rodent, or possibly a sheep. They're, they lean heavily into the raccoon. Yeah, I could see that's a big fucking, I mean, there's nothing really in that picture to give me a dimension of size, but that's a big fucking raccoon. (laughs) Well, apparently it's the size of about a cat, like a large cat. Oh, that's the size of it? Okay. Apparently. The thing is, this picture again. Yeah, you look at it, like basically the, the story goes is that these girls found it, took a picture and went viral. It was there for a while and then. They claim it mysteriously disappeared. And there was one elderly woman who came out. And what she said is she saw some stranger come grab the animal. And then he just threw it into like a backyard somewhere. Like he was just cleaning up the beach and he just threw it like you would a piece of roadkill. That's what she I claims. Could, yeah. yeah, I could definitely see this thing being some to- some sort of rodent. Uh, maybe not a raccoon. It's just not what you think of when you see a raccoon. But yeah, it's just um, it's just weird looking. That's the thing. It's just weird. Yeah, I imagine like sometimes you. It's just like with the alien conspiracies. Sometimes they give you the explanation of the video before they watch the video. You know, right? They're right. like, oh no, it was uh, it's a fucking raccoon. <laughs> right, just take our word for it. It's a fucking raccoon. <laughs> like you didn't even look at the picture. Yeah, no, it's a fucking raccoon. <laughs> That's the one um, most quote-unquote experts lean on is that it's just a raccoon with, like, its jaw missing or something. And I don't really know. But to add, to make it a little weirder, one year later, another one of these creatures washed up on that shore again. I seen the video of the guy looking at this one. Um, it's a lot more, uh, it's a lot more... What it what should I say decomposed than that the one in the picture so it kind of looks like it but it looks in a lot worse shape and then this one apparently disappeared again so I don't know yeah I don't understand why these uh, obvious land mammals are like going out to sea <laughs> and then washing up on shore like do they think that they're swimming out there like how other how many other like how many dogs and cats like wash up on shore you know. What if it could be like an eagle grabbed them or something and it couldn't hold them and dropped them in the ocean and then they drown? Yeah, I could see that. I mean, that is possible. Do you think uh, it, I think an eagle could pick up a raccoon? Oh, yeah. No, an eagle could pick up a small child. They could pick up a <laughs> raccoon. Yeah. Actually, you'll like this talking about raccoons. Um, I was watching this. It's like paranormal caught on camera or something. It's on Travel Channel. It's actually a really, really fun show. But apparently the dire wolf was like a real ancient type of wolf. Did you know that? Yeah, I did know that. So they, it's uh, you should look it up on YouTube sometime. It's basically the video thinks that they've captured one that's like still alive in like super, super, super remote Canada. And basically this guy's dog is like kind of playing with this dire wolf. And you see it stand up, and it's just, like, massive, right? And then, of course, it attacks the dog. And I think it was, like, a beagle or something. But I was showing a friend at work this video, and I for somehow we got on the, the topic of your old dog, Sasha, who was a tiny little chihuahua, right? And she would kill the raccoons and then drag them up to your house. Yeah, the possum. That was three times its size. Oh, was it a possum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, rem- yeah, I remember would, that little dog. And raccoons. Yeah, I remember that little dog. I don't know how we went from the dire wolf to your dog, Sasha, but um, yeah, I, I was like, your little doggy, man, you take out raccoons like it's no one's business. Yeah, she was a fucking fearsome little fighter. It was uh, it's pretty hilarious. There was one time, I told you the story, the raccoon had gotten into the beer in the <laughs> in my dad's fridge in the garage, and it was like stumbling around, and there was like six broken into beer cans. Um, like laying around the uh, the fridge and my dog just unrelentless. Like this poor fucker was trying to go to the creek and yeah, it was great. Hmm. My dog just fucked the shit out of it. <laughs> like bit it all over its face. Like the raccoon couldn't even fight back. Didn't even <laughs> probably thought there was like six dogs attacking it. I think we got everybody should know your dog was like tiny too. Oh, yeah. It's a little like, shit. Pekingese Chihuahua. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> Anyway, so moving on to 
January 14th, 2010, on the island, a private security guard discovered a body around 4.15 p.m. He claimed it was the body of a human male, about 6 foot 2 with a large build. He was wearing green cargo pants, a long sleeve green shirt, and brown loafers. Okay, so far it's just a normal dead guy on the shore. Then they reported that the man, all his fingers were super elongated for some reason. And in his head, he had five symmetrical holes bored into it. Very strange. Um, Now, apparently when the cops finally got possession of this guy, they couldn't find any records um, to identify him. There was no military records, no criminal records. No missing persons filed. Uh, they had no fingerprints of the guy. And still to this day, he nobody knows who this guy is. He was just found dead on the shores of Plum Island. Really? Yeah. And the one thing they said was like, he had, I don't know, what witch fingers or something. I don't know. They said his fingers were like super, super long. And in the back of his head... They, they were very specific that they were symmetrical holes, almost as le- if like they were purposely put there. Someone drilled into the back of his head? Yeah. Mm. And there's one other thing that's maybe not that conspiracy-oriented, but initially they told the public that it was a white male they found. This is like the police and stuff. And then, for some reason, switched it to a black man. I, I don't know why, but... Those assholes, they wanted people to not care about it. <laughs> the, the, that Those very, motherfuckers. With the, knowing the police, that very well could be. But, yeah. um, yeah, so nobody knows who this guy is. He just washed up dead on the shore. So, obviously, that gets everybody thinking, are they testing on fucking humans or something on this site? Yeah, I mean, with all the long history of uh, weird, like weird dead animals that are popping up and now all of a sudden a weird looking humanoid pops up and looks like he's been like almost looks like his brain you said that he had symmetrical holes in the back of his head yeah i mean if they were probing into his brain then you know the weird the like long fingers is really weird too i was trying to think if you had died and you're out at sea i don't think there'd be any in like you were rotting in the water essentially i don't think there'd be any reason why your fingers would get really long no you would think that they would get really bloated and yeah, like blow up exactly Not, your bones wouldn't stretch out your cartilage wouldn't stretch out so i i don't know they just said his fingers were really long so i don't know if they're trying to hint that it was some sort of a genetic altercation or i don't know genetic alteration yeah whatever <laughs> or maybe he's just got love making fingers i don't know (laughs) yeah (laughs) he can hold a basketball and a football with one hand (laughs) could have been there's uh some of those nfl players uh who is that guy megatron oh yeah he apparently had like the max size that you can make of like a glove (laughs) like (laughs) he had to have them like specially made pretty much i wouldn't doubt it Receivers need big receivers need big hands. Yeah, like fucking the size of frying pans. So, okay. Now the fi- the closing thing here that I'm going to finish with um is basically what old Jesse was saying on his show about the facility. So, what he claims and the people that he talked to claim is that there have already been several cases where foot and mouth disease had already escaped in this facility. Now, he was talking to one man who apparently used to work on Plum Island, right? And allegedly they keep the ground or they keep the buildings in what he called a zero vacuum, I think. Basically so air can get in but it can't get out. Yeah, that sounds um sounds about right. What you would think of like like the movie ET, how they had mm-hmm. like the buildings all sealed up, all of those like tents. Yeah. Medically sealed. Well, this guy says that's how they have it. So then obviously the diseases can't leave the building while they're letting air in or something. But the the guy who used to work there claims that he brought it up to like management's attention that the seals on the doors were leaking. 
and they just kind of ignored it. And that's how apparently some of the diseases were getting out. I'm sure that like OSHA oversight isn't probably very powerful <laughs> on that island. You know what I mean? Like, is OSHA even allowed in government buildings? Uh, yeah, no, we uh we have OSHA. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, probably not in the top secret buildings, but <laughs> in the normal in the normal uh, buildings, they're in there. So, <laughs> so the um, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean. Really, when you get like in our job, in your job, in my other job, you know what I mean? Like shit starts to fall to the wayside because they want results. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the little things always get pushed aside for results, results, results. So I imagine that happening. That's right. It's inevitable, really. Now, this same guy claims that workers at the facility have already gotten sick just from working there. That was according to the guy on Jesse's show. Um, he also says that the site, while it seems like they have armed guards and everything, it actually is like extremely low security. So it'd be very open to a terrorist attack anyway. That's what this guy says. And the final thing, like that one of Jesse's little cronies were arguing about was uh, they claim that they're trying to move Plum Island to Kansas. Like the new facility is going to be in Kansas. And apparently that's really scary because that's like one of the cattle capitals of the world of the United States. Yeah, all that open farmland out there. Yeah, and Jesse's real concerned it, about that. It is out in the middle of nowhere, so I mean that's good. <laughs> I don't know. That's Jesse's concern about it, but um, yeah, it's that's kind of what we have. The final things that aren't very important is. Apparently, people are protesting to have the government resell it back to the private sector. I don't really know why, but um, they don't want yeah. the government there anymore. <laughs> uh, no, after a place has had a base for the last, like, hundred and some odd years, like, you don't want that. <laughs> like, There might be some doomsday prepper who would love that. Oh, yeah, no, there would be some of them, and they probably don't mind if the groundwater's polluted or, <laughs> you know, like... God knows what has been dumped because you got to imagine like the environmental stuff that the government does now probably wasn't around 30 years ago. No. So they were literally just dumping everything. I, I imagine everything just got dumped. I, I, I do remember um, one of our relatives, he's lived in the Twin Cities as basically his whole life. And when one day we we're going to, I think, a Vikings game and there's this one building, I think it was an old government building. And he claims that, like, there's so much lead in the basement of that place that they've kind of, like, hidden it. You know what I mean? Like, it's oh, there yeah. and they can't get rid of it and they just try to pretend like it's not there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of those old government buildings that, like, should be shut down, but they still use them because they still need them. Yeah. So they basically, like, put little... The funny thing is, uh, there was a base that I was at. I'm not going to name which one, but there's a base that I was at um recently that had little stickers on the door saying like oh yeah this building contains asbestos and lead paint Ugh. um and then you have to work there though you know what i mean like sorry fuckers but were there that was their warning though so it's like well if you don't want to work here then don't work here but the military so mm -hmm. go fuck you yourself you're coming in yeah no you have a choice yeah <clears throat> that's fucked up <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna say what base but <laughs> especially asbestos holy shit Nobody yeah. should have that anywhere. Yeah, they used to love to spray that shit in the walls, so <laughs> it's not good. No, absolutely not. So, um, in closing here, Phil, um, that's basically what I've got. I want to know if you think there's any sort of validity. Are Could they be doing any weird shit on this island? Or do you think it's just because it's an island and it used to be used for biological weaponry that it's kind of created its own mythos here? And do you think they could have actually created a Lyme disease on the island and then it escaped? Well, this is a uh, subliminal deception first. Right. But uh, I believe all of it. Really? I believe all of it's possible. Just from <clears throat> what you hear about uh, how we've been studying genetically modified everything for the past 30 years, how we've had biological weaponry um, for the past like what 80 years uh they have to do it somewhere and i can imagine might as well be here especially considering who has owned 
that base for the past, what is it? You said since like the 50s, it's been. Yeah, it's been a for uh, Center for Animal Disease Control or whatever. Yeah, that's about 70, almost 70 years. Yeah, definitely. I can believe all of it. <laughs> well, it's, it, the thing that's really weird is like the Nazi scientist, Eric Trube or Traub or whatever his name is, like that's real. Like he was really there. But we don't know if he actually genetically created Lyme disease or not. But apparently Nazi... It's an awful weird coincidence. Yeah. But apparently Nazi Germany, that was like... He was that guy trying to create that type of weaponry for the Nazis. And obviously America, we know from Operation pa- Paperclip, weren't going to let perfectly good scientists go to waste. Yeah, or prosecute them at Nurem- <laughs> at the Nuremberg trials. <laughs> Definitely I, not. I, I, keep, the, uh, I keep hearing the bigger theory that... They were more afraid of giving the scientists to Russia than they were, like, actually using them. Like, they figured if Russia was going to take them, they might as well just take them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The Americans were gobbling every every inch of land. They were gobbling up whatever they could, uh, trying to keep it from the Russians. Mm. So all the hidden stashes of um, artwork, uh, all of the, like, the horrible things, like the fillings in the... People in the concentration camps, like all of that stuff they were trying to grab before the Russians got to it. Oh my so, God. That's trying to get up. all that stuff from them. That's fucked up. Yeah. And that applies to scientists too. Yeah. Um, the Nazi science machine was actually, it's really fascinating if you study it, but they were really, um, it's, they were doing terrible things, but they were ramped up for the small time that the Nazis were in charge. They put a lot of effort into their science. Yeah, they did. They definitely did. I mean, they obviously Nazi Germany was fucking horrible, but the scientists, they're uh, quite intelligent. Yeah. What did you think about this conspiracy? Like, are you after reading it? Are you like off the boat that it's uh, a bad place or what are you thinking? I think I'm off the boat that it's like the creature that washed up on shore or whatever. I don't really know if I would say that was created at the lab or even the dead guy that they found but the Lyme disease thing like that thing that story really st- stuck with me like just all the sequences of coincidences it's just as too many coincidences in relation to Plum Island and the Nazi scientists and all of that that's my opinion obviously it's just I don't know it just doesn't seem right yeah I was about 50 50 until you mentioned the Nazi scientist who specialized in putting diseases into ticks. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck. Like, look if up. that's true, that's like the breaker for me. <laughs> I mean, anybody out there, look them up. It's like E E R I C H and then uh, T-R-A-U-B. You can find him, Eric Traub. And apparently he worked with uh, him or Heinrich. So we know he wasn't a nice guy. <laughs> No, he was not on the the fucking horror stories of Heinrich Himmler were. <laughs> Do you think he was worse than uh Joseph Mengele? Oh, Jesus. That's that's Mengele was one. even worse. Ooh, anybody out Ooh. there, I'm I'm sure plenty of our people who listen to this probably have listened to last podcast on the left, but their three-part series on Mengele. Holy fuck. It's fucked up. Who was the one who survived uh, and then escaped to South America and set up shop? Well, they think um, it was him. Mengele? Mm-hmm. They think it was yeah, him. Yeah, was, he was fucking terrible. Oh, fuck. Just like the them talking about him operating the uh, Auschwitz. Holy fuck. That was, <laughs> that was, a, that was yeah. a lot. That was bad. But uh, anyway, so I think we've all got our – what we think so – Phil, if the audience wants to let us know what they think about Plum Island, where can they do that? Yeah, uh, we'd love to hear what you think about this. Uh, we're going to pop this on this picture for you guys on Instagram. So go ahead, send us a message. Uh, Subliminal Deception Podcast on Instagram. And also, if you want to send us an email, we would love to hear from you guys. Uh, Subliminal D Podcast at gmail.com. Yep, uh, hit us up on there, give us follow, like the shit. Phil does a fantastic job of creating the little title announcement images, I guess you'd call them. Um, also, if you could help us out, we've been getting some good iTunes reviews. Um, we could always use more. 
We are doing pretty good in the download department, but uh, the more downloads, the more positive feedback you give us, the more it helps us show. So just if you can log on there, hit the five star, type in whatever you want in the little box, then hit submit. That really helped the show out. So um, Phil, I think that's going to do it for me. Is that going to do it for you? Yep, that's going to do it for me. I was just going to say, if you guys know any fellow uh, tinfoil hat wearers, <laughs> uh, point them towards this show. We'd love to yep. have them listen. That's a good point. Recommendation might be more powerful than anything. So um, I'm, uh, I've am i been Cody, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>